Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Is. And this is not just another episode. This is like the craziest week in Bravo. Something was in the air. Isabel, I have been so excited to get on here and talk to you because we've made such a conscious effort to not talk about anything. And I have been losing my mind. Like Summer House trailer, Vanderpump trailer, all of the news going on. But first, can we please get into the Ultimate Girls Trip cast? Oh my God. Yeah, I'm freaking out about this. You guys, this list, Vicky, Gretchen, Brandy, Camille, Phaedra, Eva, Alex McCord, Caroline, motherfucking Manzo. I feel like this was so interesting that they dropped the cast. I think they're starting to film in Morocco next week, so they knew it would come out. But I feel like we haven't even heard that much about season three. So now to be thinking about season four and for it to be this epic is really like so overwhelming to me. I cannot get over the Alex McCord edition. Like everyone else I am thrilled about, but since I've rewatched early seasons of New York relatively recently, I think the thing we all forget, and I genuinely mean this in a positive way, is like how weird she is. You know, other people bring drama, other people bring petty, but Alex McCord is one of the most bizarre figures that has ever graced Bravo. So to have her back in this way, in the company of Vicky Gunvalson, my head's gonna explode. Okay, I have a hot take. I'm like a little bit nervous that she's not going to deliver in the way that everybody is sort of expecting. I think her presence in general will be iconic. I mean, she's totally leaning in like her Instagramming her infamous Louis Vuitton Herman Munster shoes as sort of her return back was amazing and genius. But I'm a little nervous. Just honestly, I feel like she's in such a different place in her life. And Another thing that I would predict is that I feel like they're going to bring Luann in as like a surprise, almost like what they did with Jill last season, because that's like, hello, Jill and Alex McCord in Morocco. Yaha BB, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my dream. I, I don't know. I, I I hear your concern and I'm not saying that it's invalid. I think I'm just so taken up in the fact that we're forgetting what it's like to have her energy, which is really a very specific energy on our screen. And it's one thing, you know, once she kind of got her footing with the New York women, but we're throwing Brandy Glanville in the mix. Like right. we have no idea what's about to happen. I guess you're right. Also, people were somewhat mixed feelings on some of the wives returning who we already saw last season at Dorinda's. And I am so for it because first of all, they're not picking anybody who didn't perform. I mean, Phaedra, Eva, Vicky, and Brandy, like, come on, we obviously know that they're going to bring it. And also I like that they have these sort of 
pre-existing dynamics now. I mean, obviously, Eva and Phaedra knew each other, but they sort of like have a bond and it adds a layer that we always talk about of like women who have, quote, been through it before. Now they sort of are going to be like, oh, geez, like, you know, Vicky is going to milk that she's been on Ultimate Girls Trip before and have this feeling of better than or like I've been here, done that. It's not my first rodeo. So all of those dynamics, honestly, are just going to make it more interesting. And I'm not worried at all. And I don't think we'll be bored by it. And everyone also is forgetting that we have another season before this one. Yeah, I'm not upset about the repeats at all. I actually think if you're choosing four people from any of the first two seasons of Ultimate Girls Trip, these are your clear four. So I think it's going to be incredible. And not to forget, Vicky and Gretchen had an entire life together on Orange County back in the day. And now for that to be re-brought up, I mean, I kind of thought we would never see Gretchen on our screens again. I thought she was totally removed from this. So there's going to be a mention of like Slade Smiley. You know, it is really bringing us back not just a mention it's going to be a full-blown like plot line i don't think vicky is going to know what to do oh my god i'm i'm really am excited just looking at this list of their names again and trying to picture all of the dynamics really really excites me and you know bravo drops this list we're all kind of collectively freaking out boom summer house season seven trailer which oh my god this is like what we've been waiting for like we get a real sneak peek feeling at the Lindsay and Danielle fallout, which there's so many interesting things in this trailer. But to me, that is like the meat. That is what I am looking for. That is what I need answers to. I'm scared. I know. And like we've always said, they had a very real friendship, which is why you can tell the seriousness of this fallout. And I think what was so interesting that we got to see here is we don't know specifics. We don't know exactly what went down. But clearly, as has been speculated, Carl and Lindsay's relationship Whatever it is about it, whether it's the speed, whether it's the intensity, whether it's the way in which they feel they're interacting with the rest of the group, it has caused friction. I'm not saying that's the reason for her and Danielle's falling out, but clearly you can see it's causing some major dynamic shifts. And that's what we've been curious about. That's what we kind of knew existed. But to watch it happen in front of our eyes in this way is so gratifying. Well, I feel like that's the undercurrent of the entire trailer and what will be the season is like their relationship shaking things up in not a good way. And we had felt that energy, I think, at BravoCon and even on social media in general of everyone obviously like being happy for them, but not being like obsessed with the two of them together and how it's affected all of them personally, like Danielle and Lindsay's friendship. Clearly, Kyle talking about how it's affected Carl in the business. I mean, and also just the shifting dynamics in the house, which like, of course, that's not their number one priority when they want to be happy, but it does really trickle down. And I'm so curious how the dynamics go down watching them all live together this season, because it's the first time that they're living together while they're in like a real relationship, you know, like they were on Winter House for one day. This is where we really see it. And last summer, it was the end of the season that we even got to see them like kiss and we were like, whoa. Oh, it's a totally different situation. And the other thing is if everything with Lindsay and Danielle's relationship was 100% perfect, I do not believe that Carl and Lindsay's getting together would have led to the destruction of it. I think there were things underlying that maybe weren't mentioned because they weren't necessarily pressing. And then when everything happened with Carl and Lindsay, perhaps that was the catalyst to kind of bring some issues to the surface that had been suppressed. But 
I, I can't tell you in the entire world of Bravo, I would cite Lindsay and Danielle's friendship and the fallout in my top five of friendships I'm most invested in because this was so real. You don't see Danielle collapse to the floor in the living room for dramatic effect. I think to me that was the face of a woman who is absolutely floored that this is where she's at with her former best friend. And the way that maybe Lindsay is acting or treating her or sides of Lindsay that are coming out. I mean, I don't want to blame it all on Lindsay or Danielle before seeing it, but I think there's a lot that goes into this and I'm so excited to just dissect the fuck out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously important to go into it with an open mind, but if you were to ask me right now whose side I feel that I'm going to align more with, it's probably Danielle just because historically I think I've seen things more from her perspective. I don't know. Also, there are some newbies. We have Samantha, Chris, and Gabby as newbies. We also see appearances from Andrea and Corey, which begs the question, are Corey and Sarah going to hook up? I mean, I fucking hope so. I think she kind of wanted to in the beginning of Winterhouse or was at least a little bit drawn to him. And then everything happened with Jess. So of course, that didn't happen. But I could totally see her being like, all right, now let's go for it. I know, but I also think he was hooking up with Sam, that new girl, based on just what I saw in the trailer. So we'll see. I don't know. I love it. I love when they bring in these mix of characters. And I'm so excited for this season. I want to talk Vanderpump for a second. I want to talk Vanderpump for a many seconds. I am so excited. I have been getting nervous as the seasons go on and more and more of the original cast leaves about sort of upholding this original dynamic and drama and it not feeling forced or getting to a point where we're bored. And this completely reinvigorated me. Like, holy shit. Well, I have to tell you, because I was on Ryan Bailey's podcast this week, and he was asking me what I thought about the trailer. And I was saying, you know, honestly, and I know that I'm in the minority for this, I'm not as into Vanderpump as most people, because I kind of stopped watching relatively earlier on, because as some of the OG started to fade away, I found myself getting less interested. So I haven't been caught up just transparently the last few seasons. But I watched this trailer, and then I rewatched it. And I am feeling exactly what you just mentioned. I'm feeling that energy that I used to feel in the early days. It kind of gave me the vibe of like, all right, we are back. Watching Katie and Schwartz, I feel for me personally, is going to be very painful. And I feel really sad about it because I was so deep and invested in them that the beginning scene where they're like, let's do this the right way, be the best divorce couple ever, That's the energy I think they actually really both were looking for. And then it completely went to shit. I mean, based on history, are we surprised that Schwartz fucked something up? Obviously not. But I just was hoping that this one thing that was so sacred, his relationship with Katie and them being cordial and friends, was something that he maybe would pull through on. And clearly he has not. And the actual visual of seeing Schwartz and Raquel making out did something to me because even when we heard it I was like no fucking way I did not believe it I kept not believing it even when Katie was commenting on it I was like no way there's just no way and then to fucking see it on the camera I mean I just it's gonna be really good 
That was one of the crazier things I have ever witnessed. That floored me, even though I knew it was coming. But I agree with you. I think Schwartz is a really good guy who was just really consumed by self-sabotage. And he has an issue kind of getting himself fully there, even though I think he knows what he needs to do. It's frustrating to watch. You also at times feel sympathy for him. But it's no surprise that him and Katie couldn't make it work in the way that they wanted to make it work. Because of course, something was going to come up. I almost feel like Schwartz has gotten himself into the pattern where he expects he's going to fuck up. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, no. Schwartz will never, ever miss an opportunity to fuck something up. And it's really so frustrating to watch because you also love him. He's so lovable, such a good guy. And it's like, just get your shit together. Also, Christina Kelly being back was not on my bingo card. I'm excited. I like having an OG back and sort of bringing that old school energy and also seeing her interact with some of the newer people who we never got to see her interact with before. Also, Lala kind of alluding to what's been going on with Randall and, you know, just watching her deal with all of that. And also that little Garcelle cameo. (gasps) I was going to say, as if this wasn't one of the best weeks in Bravo already, just because every franchise was firing on all cylinders, we then get Garcelle in the Vanderpump trailer. I mean, and her son Oliver, like, hooking up with one of the Sir staff members and her hearing about it at a dinner with Lisa Vanderpump, like, that is my Avengers. (laughs) That's my Marvel. And by the way, if I'm Angie Cohen, I sit back and I'm like, yep, this is what I created. You know, like, what a dream. If you are uh, top executive at Bravo, what a dream for these shows to at times be pushed together because of your behind the scenes work, but also for some of these friendships to naturally form for it to then be natural for Garcelle to go to lunch with LVP while we know all the drama going on in Beverly Hills. It's like really a meeting of the minds and such a fun way to watch. It's absolutely genius. Also, Shannon and John splitting after three and a half years. Okay. I'm really, really depressed about this. Shannon was on Jeff Lewis Live yesterday. Shannon and Jeff are like very close friends. She said basically that they had broken up actually in the beginning of December. So it's been a couple of weeks and until this announcement came out. Obviously, it was a hard day for her when it went public and that it's the longest that they haven't spoken. But just the pain and sadness in her voice, I think it really just came down to like the bickering and fighting was not working for him anymore. I think it was not really her decision, but she somewhat understands. I just, I really thought that they were in it for the long run. I did. I thought he was so opposite of David and I thought they treated each other so well and there was so much love there. And I just felt like this was Shannon's happily ever after. And I'm really, really sad about it. I am really sad for her as well. I can't lie to you. I didn't necessarily think this was her happily ever after, even though I wanted it for her so badly, just because in previous seasons, I could see from his end, I don't know if annoyed is the right word, but I think at times he was maybe overwhelmed by just everything that comes with Shannon because she's wonderful, but it is a lot. And I wanted to tell you because I knew you'd be so proud of me. I listened to some of the section of her on Jeff Lewis, and when she was talking about how you know, the last week of filming, they have this romantic dinner and she's like, he's saying these things to me and I'm listening to him talk to me. And I, I just remember getting choked up by feeling this adoration. And I remember saying that to him and she says a week after they stopped filming is when the breakup started to begin when he first started to say, this isn't going to work, but she's talking about it really as though she was fully blindsided. 
I think it's interesting that he broke up with her right when filming ended. I don't know if that was a selfish move on his part or if it was actually to like preserve her from sort of the embarrassment of going through that on camera and her maybe saying, why couldn't you wait until we were done filming? Like it's sort of a lose-lose situation. But just back to Jeff for a second, because obviously I bring it all back to Jeff. He infamously a couple, I think years ago, had said on Watch Happens Live that he didn't think Shannon and John were end game. And that was like sort of shocking because they were really good friends, John included, like they were going out all together. And I think that he was really hurt after Jeff said that. So he spent more time around them, obviously, than like we did or anyone did. I would be curious and will be curious, like at the OC reunion, let's say, what the other women's reactions are to this breakup and also how she handles it. But I think it was great for Shannon to see like what true love and a real partnership felt like because obviously with David, that was not it. No. And I, I mean, I don't know, but I think let's say they were to talk about this at the reunion. I don't think it would be like a Lenny Hochstein Marisol situation where everyone's saying, oh yeah, we knew he was bad news. I don't think that's the case. I don't think John's a bad guy. I think specifically coming off of David, people probably liked the way that he treated her. It wasn't that. I just felt like he, I don't know if you were to ask me my guess on it. I think that he was experiencing fatigue of everything almost being an issue with Shannon. And I think that it it got old kind of fast. And again, who the fuck knows? That would just be my guess if you were to ask him. Yeah, sort of just like the Shannon storm, no pun intended, just was too much for him. I get it. Right. And you know what? That's her. Like she is not changing who she is, nor should she. I think that she will eventually find someone who – isn't overwhelmed by that and can embrace the chaos. She's a chaotic person. It's not a bad thing. It's just who she is. And I think maybe it worked for him in the beginning and then started to not work. I'm only saying this because the way she made it sound on Jeff is that it was 100% not her decision. Like she was fully expecting specifically after that dinner, you know, that they were going to take the next step. She said, when he said to me, I want to take the next step, Jeff is saying, you know, I interpreted that as engagement. What did you interpret it as? And she's like, I didn't really know. I interpreted it as whatever the next step was. Is that moving in together? You know, what does that look like? But I really think she thought they were on the full up trajectory. So I feel bad for her. I feel bad for anyone when they're blindsided. That is the shittiest feeling. It's like a pit in your stomach. But it will be an interesting thing to watch the season of OC with this knowledge. Like I sort of hate that, but also now we'll get to have like a lens at which to look at their relationship and maybe we'll detect nothing. Like maybe if they hadn't broken up, we would have never thought anything was wrong, but I don't know. They'll also will determine, I think, how they edit the show because maybe they want us to feel this sort of gradual build of tension or fights or things that they maybe wouldn't have included or would have included, et cetera. Like it definitely changes the course of our watching experience. I'm trying to go back to what you just said about him making the conscious decision to not break up with her until after it was done filming and whether that was a selfish decision or actually a selfless one. I don't know. I think right now I'm in the camp of thinking maybe he thought she would not have wanted that as her storyline. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like thinking out loud. No, I mean, they had a conversation about it on the radio yesterday because Jeff was like, I would have much rather him done it on air versus like waiting and me look stupid. And Shannon was like, I don't know. I, I Like they were really grappling with that too. And I think it's like, like I said, a lose-lose. You either 
get embarrassed and you're like, why did you have to wait to do this? You know, we've been together for three and a half years. You waited till like the three months that I'm filming a show. You couldn't have done it another time. But also then filming ends and you do it then. You, we just filmed a whole season together. Now everyone's going to watch and it's going to be so embarrassing for me. So like it just really sucks. I mean, I think Lisa Hochstein also spoke about this, that why couldn't Lenny have just waited till we were done filming? He did it like two weeks into filming or, or the first week of filming and the timing was just terrible. But again, what's the right answer there? I really don't know. I think it's just so personal. And I at that point, John must have just said, I'm not going to do it the last week or two weeks of filming. Let's wait, wrap it up, and then we can do it and handle it on our own time. Because he also knows Shannon as a person. Like, this really unraveled her. You think she wants to film another month of the show being a completely broken person? I don't think so. It's not a good that, look for her. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that specifically for Shannon's personality that that would have been the move. Obviously, as the viewer, you, yes, maybe you would have wanted to see the ins and outs of what really went on. But I think that he was giving her the courtesy of deciding how much she wants to bring it to the show. You know, like once it happens next season, she can talk about it as much as she wants. But if he were to break up with her mid-filming, she has no choice than for the cameras to be in her bedroom when she's crying the next morning or she's on FaceTime with Tamara. And I, I think specifically with her, that wasn't it. Whereas... With Lenny, there was zero consideration of Lisa one way or another. Of course, Lisa would have rather him do it after, but I genuinely think with him, he has lost all self-control. He wanted to be able to be with this woman freely immediately, and he wasn't going to wait another day, whether that was filming or not. Yeah, well, th that we'll get into that fucking conversation later, but I, d I definitely agree. I'm curious – I'm curious everybody's thoughts on that, like which – what's better? Like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know? For myself, I think I would much rather someone do it the way that John did it. What about you? I think so too. Obviously, I would not have preferred it on camera, but I do hear the other side that is like the embarrassment of now watching this season back and was he faking it? And even Shannon says like they sit down and have this whole heart to heart about the status of their relationship and where is it going and like that clearly was all bullshit. So I don't know. I And I – I just don't know. But she said they're still filming confessionals. So I'm sure that that will sort of come up and it will definitely be interwoven within the, the plot of the show. Oh, totally. Which is what we always talk about. You know, half the time they have to talk about these situations as if they don't know what, what right. happened. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply.
So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. A few other casting things to talk about before we get into the episodes. Catherine Dennis leaving Southern Charm after eight seasons. I feel this is the right move. I think she, it, it was her time. I agree. I mean, when we first kind of saw rumors of it, I wasn't sure. And then she confirmed it in a statement to people where she basically says, you know, can you believe that I've been doing this since I was 21 years old back in 2013? And she says in the decade that followed, it's safe to say my life changed in ways I could have never imagined. It hasn't always been easy, but I'm so lucky to have had reality cameras there capturing so many moments that I'll never forget. And a few even that I'd like to. And, you know, she goes on to thank the fans. This was definitely right. I think it's really crazy when you think about it. The entirety of her adult life has been documented by cameras, and I think she really just doesn't know any different, but it's going to be very interesting for her to now live a life that is free of that. I honestly think it will be really good for her. I think the cameras were never, ever good for her. Like, it doesn't feel like a Kim situation, Kardashian, where like it never bothered her. She was made for this life and the last whatever, 15, 20 years of her life have been documented. Like it feels really different to me where for Catherine, it was always like a big burden and also just not great for her like mental health or her life. So I'm happy about this. I think it'll be great for her. And also, honestly, she didn't really have a position in this group anymore. Like the group is very tough and they've sort of like shifted and everyone's really doing their own thing, but comes back together in these interesting ways. And it just really, it wasn't right for her anymore. And I don't think it was serving her. And it's not like she was bringing that much to the show that they felt like they needed to hold on to her, even if it was bad for her. And I'm glad. I feel like this was actually mutual. Something about these statements, which I've been like deep diving a little bit, is that Bravo sort of gives everyone, aka like Rinna and everybody, the grace to say that they have decided to take a pause or or leave the show versus saying that they were fired like that's just sort of a custom but with this Catherine announcement I feel it was truly like a mutual thing like she was over it they understood that and they decided to part yeah and I I think one of the issues with Catherine is that even though in the past 10 or so years she's made so many changes there is a part of the audience that always holds on to the Catherine that we first met and I have to imagine she felt slightly pigeonholed by a previous reputation that she felt no longer fit her, even if in some ways it did. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, every reunion, they were asking her about Thomas. And she's like, that is literally my so, like, past life at this point. But in the viewer's eyes, you know, we're watching it like a television series. Like, we don't think of it that way. So it definitely was holding her back in a lot of ways, I think. And I think it holds a lot of people back in a lot of ways. But specifically for Catherine, this this will be good. Also in terms of Rinna, so Andy said on the radio that he really hopes her exit is, quote, just a pause. He said, I really do hope that this is a pause. I hope she'll come back. I really do. I've talked to Tamara about this a lot. Tamara ultimately said to me before she came back to this, she said, you know what? My time away from the show kind of helped me as a person. And she said, I think it was actually really positive to leave and get some air and step back. So I just hope that Lisa will humor us and comes back. That was interesting and telling. And if you ask me right now, I would say to you, in our lifetime, at some point in the next, I don't know, three to five years, Rena will come back to Beverly Hills. Yeah, I so agree. I think a pause is exactly what she needed. Tamara needed it. Think about Dorinda. I mean, Dorinda isn't fully back on New York, but she came back to Ultimate Girls Trip and I think will probably end up on Legacy. And it was at a point where the show was just like consuming them in a way that was unhealthy and also being on camera was unhealthy. And I think Rinna has a really hard time distinguishing like the show and the drama and the social media from like reality, reality. And it's kind of swallowed her up in a way that maybe a step back and focusing and watching from an outsider view will be really good for her to sort of like get back to herself and realize we liked who she is just as herself, not as this like Rinna Potster producer sort of paranoid like conspiracy theory Rinna that we were getting the last couple of years. Well, I also think there's a lot of truth in the idea that absence can make the heart grow fonder. And so from the audience perspective, you know, I would say the majority of people when they heard this announcement, it did feel kind of like a sigh of relief, coupled with a little bit of obvious nostalgia and recognizing the iconicness she did bring the show. But I think if you go a few years and perhaps it gets a little bit stale or you're missing that one person that brings the energy Orina brings – I think she would receive a far more warm welcome if she were to return after showing people what it could be like without her. And, you know, it'll be very, very interesting. I don't know. I, if I were a betting man, I would tell you right now that she'll be back sometime in the next few years. Yeah, I think it's going to be a you don't know what you got until it's gone kind of thing. And I agree with you. She'll definitely be back. Diana Jenkins, no surprise here, exiting after season one, she said in a statement to people, quote, as many of you know, Asher and I are expecting our second child later this year. You also know that due to many factors, this pregnancy is considered high risk and I'm on doctorate advised bed rest. To that end, I'm not able to devote myself fully to filming the next season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I would like to thank Bravo and Evolution for allowing me to focus on my pregnancy and for their support and understanding. I promise to continue sharing my fertility journey with you. All right. I mean, there's not really much to say there. Nice statement. Obviously, I think it was like immediately no to having her back. She just was not a right fit. And this was the move. There's really – I mean, like what the fuck else is there to say about this? Like no, dog, she wasn't coming back. <laughs> there's nothing to say. That's why I was reading the statement. <laughs> Let it be her words, not mine, you know? Yeah, for sure. Also, so we talked about last week how Ashley had posted that 
photo to her grid of her and Luke when she was with his family in Minnesota and she then deleted it. And this week on Watch What Happens, she said, you know, Luke and I are not romantically involved anymore. My life is very complicated. As you guys can imagine, I'm going through a very difficult situation. And Luke was a trooper, believe me. He went through some things. And she's saying, you know, her and Michael are having a hard time co-parenting and communicating, but ultimately it's just not there. But she said she met his whole family and this is really her first relationship after Michael, which was a good reminder that she's still, quote, that girl. And, you know, it seems like no bad blood and it was a fitting for exactly the moment in her life that she needed it. And by the way, for the moment in his life that he needed it. No, I mean, this is like, to me, still the cutest thing ever. The fact that Ashley and Luke, again, as a joke and a bit at BravoCom was like, oh, two hot single people. And then they really connected to the point where she went to Minnesota, met his family. They were making TikToks together. And it was enough of a relationship that they needed to like define that it had ended and that Luke was going through things like with Michael Darby. I mean, I never would have expected this to happen. And honestly, I'm just happy for her. I think it seems like it ended amicably. And it gave her a little pep in her step of like, yeah, I can get a really nice, hot, cool guy who respects me and I'm on the right path. Oh, totally. When she said that, you know, yeah, Luke went through some things. All I can envision is like Luke opening his phone at like 9.36 a.m. laying in bed next to Ashley and he sees a voicemail from an unknown number and it's fucking Michael Darby in his accent calling him like a terrible name and saying, you know, how dare you sleeping with my wife and like some – that is exactly what I envision. (laughs) Not 9.36 a.m. Just feels like the time he would wake up. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean – I don't think Luke was down for that. And also I think Ashley has some shit to figure out before she's ready for like a real serious relationship. But I'm also interested to hear Luke's side like when he's on Watch What Happens Live during the season of Summer House. Obviously Andy will ask him about it. And I just love it. And I love this open door to like Bravo Lebs from other shows and everything hooking up with each other. I think it's amazing. Honestly, in my opinion, that's the next show Bravo should do. Just having all of the single Bravo celebrities together, all different franchises, all different age groups, and just seeing what happens. I don't know if living in a house would work, but something where we're actually getting to see them going on dates. I think that would be exhilarating. And already there are so many national crossovers. Wait, oh my God, you know what we forgot? Giselle and Jason from Summer House out (gasps) to dinner together. Okay. I need to tell you guys something. The Jason that we saw on Winter House or that we have seen on Winter House, perhaps one of the adjectives you could use to describe him was maybe like a little bit timid or I guess in comparison to some of the other men. I do not think that that is really Jason. Like I genuinely think he is that kind of a guy, but I think he has a little bit of spice to him. And I could a million percent, not ever see them dating, but I could 1 million percent see them having a night because I texted you. I was recently at an event that he was at and he's got a little bit of it in him. I'm telling you. No, Jason has game. Like Jason really is, I mean, like what? Like Jason and Lindsay Hubbard, like were basically pregnant together and now he's having dinner with Giselle Bryant. Like it is just, it hurts my brain. That photo of them at dinner together. Cause all I can think of is Giselle and her confessional, right? So it's like, I'm imagining yeah. Giselle confessional yeah. talking to Jason and it was, I was, it was killing me. 
No, it's amazing. I'll put the link in the description to the photo because you just feel the energy looking at a table with them at it together. Like you you can put yourself there. Yeah, that, that is a dream come true. All right. Salt Lake City, Potomac, Miami. I see that's the order you have. Is that still what you feel good about? Yeah, that's great. One little thing I wanted to mention because it's not fully confirmed yet. There is a lot of talk specifically by Carlos King on his Reality with the King podcast, that Phaedra might be joining Married to Medicine. Hmm. I want Phaedra on every fucking show. Yeah, I think that's honestly the theme. Like someone at the Bravo office said, you know what? We see Phaedra and let's just let's put her in everything that we got. But forget about Bravo. Like I want Phaedra on Jeopardy. Could you imagine <laughs> Phaedra? Like, I, just, I just want her everywhere. I want her bopping around to that little final Jeopardy music. I am obsessed with her. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think someone knows what they're doing. All right. Bring Phaedra to a white lotus. Twist my arm. <laughs> bring Phaedra to the White Lotus. No, I'm literally... (laughs) 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondering app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. You guys, we have made it. We have gotten ourselves through this season of Salt Lake and we have ended at the finale. And to that, I say, God is good. I never thought we'd see the finish line. I really didn't. Also, before we start, I want to discuss something from last week because we very briefly spoke about Jen's sentencing at the beginning of last week's episode. And we got this DM from someone, which I want to read because I think it's totally fair and I want to get into the conversation. Someone said, I won't read Um, their name. I I assume they would like to say anonymous. Hi, friends. Sharing because I can't get past the last episode where you talked about Jen Shaw's sentencing. Typically, you all are so sensitive to those who are being marginalized and enduring trauma. The level of empathy that you expressed to Jen Shaw and her family was incomprehensible. She operated a full company that swindled seniors and financially insecure families out of their entire life savings. If you haven't heard the victim recording the Bravo doc it shared, I recommend it. 
Her husband made over 600K and she had monies from the show, but she operated a fraudulent business and lied about it. Not to mention that she cited she was fighting her case because of racial bias within our justice system, knowing full well she was guilty. Rewatch the Salt Lake City reunion. She says it. It feels like you're aligning too heavily with the perpetrators of a crime. I know this is TLDR, but I love CBC and feel like you got this one wrong. First thing I want to say is I so appreciate when someone sends a message like this of here's something I want to bring up and I'm going to do it in like the most respectful way. And by the way, that is such a fair criticism. And I want to say to that, thank you for directing me to that Bravo Docket episode. And I want to clarify what I was saying because obviously that was our initial reaction. What Jen did was disgusting and unforgivable. And of course, my primary sympathy lies with the victims. The only reason I was expressing that initial response when her sentencing is just because for her kids' sake. I don't feel bad for Jen that she has to go away for something that she did knowing full well that she was doing it. She is guilty and this is what she deserves. I feel guilty for her children who are innocent, who knew none of this and now have their mother taken away. And even though we look at their mother as this kind of disgusting person, it's still their mom. That's all that I was responding to. It was her kids and then her mother who is getting older and her daughter is being taken away. So I want to acknowledge what that person was saying. You are totally right. And if it felt that our sympathy was leaning more towards her than it was to the victims, that's not the case. And I want to correct that. I I do want to speak honestly in that I, I can't help but feel bad for her children because they didn't do anything in all of this. No, and I also feel bad for Coach. I mean, I think we'll find out maybe more of his involvement and also how much he really knew. But I do feel bad because at the end of the day, he wasn't technically the one who was doing this. And after seeing her mom again this week, my heart literally broke for her because she so deeply believed her innocence and whatever Jen was telling her. And also, like you said, you know, she's in her older years. Jen is going away for six and a half years. That is a lot of time to take away. I can't help but think about when Teresa went to jail and she was so upset that she lost, you know, a lot of precious years at the end of her mother's life that she could never get back. It's just, it's sad for the people around her that she did this. But For Jen, like the more that time goes on, the less remorseful she feels. And it's honestly appalling. Like after getting her sentencing, they had like a big, almost celebratory Italian meal uptown in New York where she was like fully glammed. Yesterday, she posted a story in full glam. I don't know what it means. She wrote dress rehearsal. Maybe she's doing some sort of interview. Maybe she's doing a sit down with Andy. I I don't know. But like, It's just the tone deaf and the lack of just like tact when it comes to anything that has to do with this is is so just appalling. And like, how could you feel bad for her? You know, like I I think she feels like she sort of got away better than she was expecting. No, she is disgusting. And I just, so I want to acknowledge what that person said in case, you know, anyone else felt the same way and didn't say it because you're right. Like, of course, that is not where the primary sympathy lies. And that's not at all what I want to communicate. I, listen, if, if you're lucky enough to have your grandparents until their older years, you see, and it's the unfortunate reality, but it's true, how vulnerable they can get as they get older. And they start to have a lack of an understanding around technology. And, you know, I, I'm sure other people can relate to this, being in the room at your grandparents' house when a telemarketer calls and you're the one answering because you see the conversations going in a way that they're about to get scammed. It's a very scary feeling, I think, that as you get older and you start to 
you know, p- um, potentially feel a little bit less secure in your ability to monitor what is a scam and what's not. It happened with my dad recently last year. You remember I was like distraught over it just because I, I he was so upset with himself and he said to me that it, it, to him it was such a sign of aging and it was like very disorienting. So I have so much sympathy and empathy for those people. And that is absolutely our primary focus. And if we didn't do a good enough job about communicating that, I genuinely apologize. And I thank this person for pointing that out in such a respectful way. Like what a kind way to say you have a feeling on something, you know? Yeah. To be part of the conversation. Right. That's all I want. Like I, sometimes I I think that people forget, you know what I mean? It's like a two way street. It was just such a nice way to say it. So anyway, let's just chat. Right. Let's just talk. We just want to talk. Let's, let's uh, talk about this episode, which was kind of bizarre. Well, they kind of broke it up into like two episodes. They gave us like 20 minutes of bullshit about how there was party and like the whatever, like nothing basically and then the second half was jen going to new york meredith and heather coming with her as moral support and sort of like jen's feelings leading up to this trial and then eventually obviously we're looking at it knowing what eventually happens yeah that was crazy i mean i maintain in all of this and i do believe that at this point heather and meredith believe Jen when she said that she was innocent. But still, I'm not surprised that Heather's there. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that Meredith is there. Like, I just feel that Meredith would really want to separate herself from this person. And instead, she's leaned in. It's so wild. I, I There's so much for me riding on the reunion and the way that the women, specifically Meredith and Heather, but really specifically Meredith, talk about Jen. I have to imagine her tune is going to change. Oh, fuck. Wait, the reunion was what? filmed. No, no, no. The reunion. No, no. The reunion wasn't filmed. Bef- the reunion was filmed after Jen pled guilty. It just wasn't filmed after the sentencing. Her sentence. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just got freaked out. Um, I agree. I think it was probably an interesting decision for Meredith to come because I think she probably struggled with like, well, does that make me look like I believe Jen is completely innocent, which I don't think she did. I think she just said, you know what, in times like this where I I can't imagine what Jen was going through, like it was actually very fascinating to watch someone in this like heightened state of probable, probably panic, just like sitting in her hotel room eating snacks, like trying to pass the time. Like I, it was just honestly so interesting because I don't think we really ever get to see that ever, like even in like a crime documentary. But I think Meredith said, I have to put my personal feelings and my sort of ego aside of what people will say about me and realize that this is the most painful and scary time in my friend's life. And she needs me more than it matters what it looks like from the outside. And I have to be there and I just have to show up. I am just confused still, and I know it's at the end of the season, so I should not have this confusion. I'm just still confused about how she got there with Jen. It makes no sense to me. It, The way that she spoke about her and the disgust that she had for this woman and her character last season seemed to completely evaporate. And I know we were kind of explained to us, but to me, it was never explained in a way that made me fully understand how we got here. And it's I don't know. The whole thing is bizarre. It's impossible to watch this episode knowing what we know now with the lens that Bravo wanted us to when watching it, you know? Right. Like you don't have this deep sense of like anxiety or what's going to happen because we know what happens. The best way I can think about Meredith and Jen's friendship in like a sort of metaphor is 
what happened with Lisa and Larsa where they were in that like petty fight about the mortgages and they were like yelling at each other and so mad at each other. And then as soon as the Lenny thing came, boom, that obviously all goes out the door. Larsa is there for Lisa, best friend, hugging her by her side, calling her every day. And it's like, it put things into perspective. And I think Meredith had that moment where she's like, are we really going to fight about X, Y, Z in our friendship when this huge thing, life altering and family changing is going to happen in your life? Like, no, forget all that bullshit. And I think Meredith also has like sort of a place and a relationship in her heart for Coach and for Jen's sons, that that has to be taken into account. So I I don't know. It almost feels like it doesn't even matter how they got there. I can sort of understand how it was like, okay, we got bigger fish to fry. I don't because to me it's not like Larsa and Lisa where they had a deeply rooted friendship and this was so clearly a petty fight. At no point did Lisa or Larsa – like assassinate one another's character in terms of the way that they viewed each other. Jen, Meredith thought Jen was like a terrible person basically for like a very long time. And then all of a sudden everything went down with Lisa and the the things got switched around. I don't know. I, 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 again, I crave that clear understanding that hopefully we'll get. And I would love to ask Meredith because to me, she has her head screwed on so straight. And it's like, what are you doing with this woman who is such bad news? By the way, nothing to do with whatever ended up happening with the verdict. Like every way that Jen conducts herself in any situation is just so, to me, antithetical to anyone that I would assume Meredith would want to surround herself with. But for a second, let us just go back and engage with the bullshit where they're at Heather's party and basically Jen and coach make up with Angie H and her husband. What a bizarre moment that was. When Angie's husband is like crying and coach is like, it's okay. Like you made a Finsta with our name, our family name. Like what? And Angie's like hugging Jen. What about when, you know, the husband starts to kind of cry and Angie's like, I think what he's trying to say, and <laughs> and that's this whole like traumatic. I was just like, oh my god, get me out of here! No, no, no. I, I don't even. I don't even have the capacity to talk about that. Yeah. What What else here? I mean, Angie K was really coming in for like some last minute things about Jen, and I, I don't really know. Like, I just. It was like a bizarre sort of lackluster wrap-up to a bizarre lackluster season is really how I felt. And also, Heather still sort of milking the black eye thing and refusing to talk about it. And Lisa saying that Heather is looking at it like a game, which I think is exactly how all of us have felt watching it. Yeah, I can't talk about that. Like I have – I'm removing ourselves from that narrative because Heather has made it so unbearable. The other thing that I want to say though is – did you see on Watch What Happens when Brandy was saying to Andy that she doesn't really think that Whitney likes her and Whitney was a little bit bitchy to her because Whitney thought that Brandy was trying to flirt with her husband? Yeah, and Andy's like, well, were you? And Brandy's like, what do you think? That was the best part of Salt Lake City this week. I love BravoCon drama. Let's get into Potomac. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. 
And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Let's get into Potomac. I know we will get into the Karen and Sharice of it all, which is probably technically the meat of this episode, and I do want to discuss it. But I am really interested by the me and Jacqueline thing. I feel like I'm more into it than you are. You're you're more into it because I also feel like it's so sad and so messy and dirty and also very layered that like we'll never get all of it on the show. And honestly, at this point, I just feel really bad because I think – Mia is completely embarrassing Jacqueline where she like brought her on and was like, come on, you'll be my best friend, my sidekick, you'll come on the trips. And now it's like, it's just so dark, you know? I do know. I'm not getting enjoyment out of it in that sense. I agree with you. It's very sad, but I just am taken by how real it clearly is. Like this is a friendship that has gone back for years and years. And what I can't get over is that it wasn't as though Jacqueline just appeared on the show. Like you said, Mia was the one that consciously brought her on. And I think it's a certain type of mean to take someone almost under your wing in a position and then completely flip the switch and like backstab them. I don't know. I just feel like Jacqueline was probably really blindsided, not to say she was completely unaware of Mia's faults or at times the way that she can be, but maybe she felt like filming would be a little bit of a safe ground or at least some things would be off limits. And I just feel like Mia is being really mean. I think she felt like I'm not on the show technically. So like, of course, our drama or our dirty laundry won't be aired out. And then it ended up making its way into the plot. I guess I feel the same way I feel like watching the Richard sisters or like the Gorgas where I can't look away. I can't get enough. I want all the details, but also it gives me a hit in my stomach thinking like these are your basically siblings, you know, like it's their family. No, I know they had a lot of history there. And the other thing is the way that Gordon is kind of subtly involved in the whole narrative is very strange. Like I don't, like I can't pinpoint exactly what about it is so off, but there's something very bizarre about the entire thing. There's some like sexual flirtation, boundary crossing that 
either has happened or Mia is like somewhat aware of or nervous of or I don't yeah there's something there it's not just like two friends fighting there's also a lot of things that are clearly unsaid I mean they've gone back and forth a lot on social media I haven't read all of it but it gets into parents kids husbands money like they really go through the whole list of things that you could fight about and things that you have history and issues with so this is way deeper like than I think we could even imagine but also you know, when you find out in this episode that Jacqueline's sister is Mia's nanny, that's a whole other, you know, element here because now all of a sudden it's Jacqueline's sister, but Mia is Jacqueline's sister's boss. What does that look like then? When Yeah, that's messy. It's very, very messy. And even, you know, when she's saying, you know, close your, keep your legs closed to married men, which was very, you know, NeNe leaks to Kim Zolciak. And Jacqueline then says, I, you sold your soul to the devil. I fought for you my entire life. I would never sleep with your husband. And Sharice is like, wait, she never said you slept with her husband. Like what is being implied here? And what is being said without saying it? I think it must be really hard for them to fight on camera and around these women without bringing up more stuff that almost like incriminates them. They have Mm -hmm. to focus on like what they're actually fighting about in the moment versus like if they were fighting behind closed doors, they'd be able to bring up so much shit. But like you just said, they're starting to pull things up and it's like, wait, what? We didn't know that. You know, they're almost like revealing information about themselves by fighting. So they have to be really careful. And it just, it's, it just sucks, honestly. But like, obviously I'm so interested and I am intrigued how their conversation at the reunion will go and sort of like what that will look like, or even if Jacqueline will be part of the reunion. And then almost the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Karen and Charisse, which is a totally different type of fight. They have nowhere near the friendship that me and Jacqueline have. If anything, they can't stand one another. But you can see there is a lot of tension that's just now boiling over. And no one, no one makes Karen Huger lose her cool like Charisse does. Charisse and Karen is so interesting because I think the things that they don't like each other about are like in context like not that big of a deal but because it's been just building up for years and years and they sort of just have this idea in their head that they do not like each other and have been kind of giving jabs to each other over the years and also never ever spoken about it it has bubbled to a point of explosion which I think we see at the end of this episode slash we will see next week it's completely different but it also does have a lot of deep-rooted history just because of the timeline, how long this has been dragged on, where they just are sort of in each other's minds and to the public painted as these arch enemies that, you know, hate each other and like will be shady and go below the belt and are almost equal opponents in that way, which is what makes it to me like so interesting because I also think there's an alternate universe where they could be best friends because they actually do have a lot in common. Oh, well, that's the irony of this whole situation. They would actually be their most powerful together because out of the entire group, I would say that they are definitely the two that walk into a room and command it. The issue is that it's hard for people like that sometimes to be friends. That's how we feel about Ashley and Candace too. Right, right, exactly. And the reason that it works with like Karen and Candace, for example, is because even though they both have that energy, Candace is still younger. And so Karen can still take on almost that like maternal role that I think in her mind is slightly authoritative. Wrong word, but you know what I mean. Whereas with Sharice, it's far more of a leveled playing field, I think, that in Karen's mind. I just, it's interesting when Giselle keeps saying, what, what happened? Sharice slept with one of Karen's boyfriends. Like, is there some truth to something a little bit like that? Possibly. 
I don't know. I think Sharice has a lot of, like, respect and also just, like, clout almost in Potomac society. Like, she actually is sort of in the scene and knows people and knows a lot of the same people as Karen. She was around in the very beginning of Housewives, and I think she's over the years, really stirred the pot and brought some rumors or things that she's heard within these circles to light in a way that Karen didn't like. I think Karen knows things about Sharice maybe being a shit stirrer or being like not a good friend. They both have this dirt on each other and it's just like a boiling pot, you know, like with the lids about to pop off. I I don't know. Like I honestly, maybe she has slept with someone Karen maybe was seeing, who knows, I, that, I mean, forget about it. That's fucking layered. But I, I I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts that whatever actual issues they have are not that big besides that they just literally hate each other and yeah, the way I, that they do things. Yeah, I think it's a lot more about Sharice's presence than it is necessarily about individual instances for Karen. I don't yeah, think like, she likes delivery. feeling – Yes, I don't think that she likes feeling almost threatened because – Listen, like there's no debate over who's the grand dame of Potomac. Like it's clearly Karen. But if you were choosing a second one out of the group, it would be Sharice. Right. And right. I think also Karen liked for all these years having the show to herself without Sharice, you know, like that gave her sort of a leg up, like, ha ha, it's my show. You're not even on it anymore. So her being back is like really reigniting all of these feelings she's always had. Yeah, I think she's pissed about that. And then, you know, she can avoid it when she doesn't have to film with her. But then when they do these group trips, she doesn't have a choice. And I don't think that's the spot she wants to be in. Totally. I still can't get over as I'm watching Potomac the way that my feelings on Candace have totally transformed. Like I was really not a fan of hers last season and I am such a fan of hers this season. I, I, everything she says for the most part, I agree with. I I agree. It used to be I never ever – like saw her side and I really didn't feel like on her level. And now she's my trustworthy narrator. I know. It seems like she's seeing things clearly. I don't know. Yeah. I'm into her this season. Me too. I'm really into her this season. I, I just, and I think everyone's like coming for her and trying her and like, she's actually doing a great job of handling it. Yeah. It's not going to work. No. I, I want to talk about Miami. Okay. Miami cannot have a bad episode. Like, seriously, I, my sister was like, oh, what happens? I'm like, honestly, just more continuation of the story. But it's really the one franchise where when they do, quote, like filler scenes or lifestyle scenes or like just peeks into their day, I am equally as intrigued as I am when they're like fighting or when they're having these like dramatic moments or moments of realization. Like Larsa shopping with her daughter, spending $2,000, I'm in. Nicole outside with her son, I'm in. Julia and Martina having dinner, I I'm so in. Like the whole thing to me is just captivating. And to have that and then also the drama, like I'm sorry, I know we come on here every week and gush about it. It just, it's just fucking magic. I was going to say, Dare I say I even enjoy those scenes more. Like I am so into knowing about the ins and outs of each of their lives. Alexia and Frankie going to the handbag store before the launch. I could watch Alexia do anything. Like I am fascinated by her existence. And it's that combined with the backdrop of Miami that is just so beautiful. I can't get enough of it. 
I, I feel like they put something in the show because it, when I watch it, I'm just mesmerized from start to finish, regardless of what's happening. Me too. And then, oh, the drama's so good. Larsa is such a little pot stir in the best way. Like, I'm loving Larsa this season. She's not really annoying me as much as she used to. I think she's really found her rhythm, and we've said that. And I think she's a great friend to Lisa, I, I, everything. I don't even know where to begin. Well, the only quote, drama in terms of within the cast was between Nicole and Larsa, and it was relatively short-lived, but at Alexia's event. And I think it was good that Nicole kind of voiced this because it may seem like she's bringing something up just for the purpose of having a storyline. But honestly, when you go back, Larsa has been putting these digs at her for a while now. Well, it's Larsa being sort of elitist, and like so snobby. I mean, even in this moment when Nicole is trying to explain to her, like you are making it like that you're looking down that my ex-husband was a school teacher and that that's like something to be sort of ashamed of. Like you use it as a dig at me. And even then Lars is like, you know who I was married to? Like call me when you and Anthony get divorced. Like then we'll talk. Like really trying to prove that her divorce was in no way similar to Nicole's because she was married to Scotty Pippen versus Nicole was married to quote a school teacher. And that puts them on completely different playing fields. And like Larsa, I I think thinks it's like cool and proving a point when it really just makes her look like an asshole. And I'm glad Nicole called her on that. And almost it makes Nicole look cooler to be like, I'm not like, why would I ever be ashamed of that? You don't bring up anyone else's spouse's occupation. Like, It just makes you look mean, you know, and like everybody came from somewhere. Everybody's jobs are different. Like it's it was just that's the part of Larsa that I wish she would fucking drop is just that like, you know, chin up attitude. It's like just be cool. I think that it's hard because she would have such a better shot if she just said, which is a fair point, you know, this particular divorce has become so elevated because of the public aspect of it all. And yes, divorce is hard for anyone, but it's not even about money. It's specifically about the public interest and the public involvement. And that's what's taken this over the edge. And you don't have an experience like that. And since I do, I I feel that I can maybe shed light in a different way. Like even if she wanted to basically say the same point, but in a way that just felt a little bit more like humane and fragile, (laughs) but sometimes she lacks that in these moments. And so if I'm Nicole, I totally am offended. I very much understood where she was coming from. It was presented to her in a way where she was made out to feel as though she was, you know, below her. It was like big Kelly Ben Simone energy. Huge. And also when they play that montage of her continually bringing up, like you can see Lars's wheels turning of her using that as sort of a jab at Nicole and thinking that she's really doing something when it's like, you're not. Lisa's scene with Marisol was also really interesting because I think there's something to be said for when she's talking about the situation while being in the house. Not to say she doesn't get across the same emotion in other settings, but when you're physically in the home, you are so reminded of what's going on and she's so reminded that there was something about her talking about like him calling her saying, I found you a new home while she is sitting on the couch in the home that they built. There's yeah, That was kind of wild. It was wild. It definitely added like, a layer to it and also just seeing her quote at home and comfortable with her stuff and all her furniture and everything that she picked it's like I get it the emotion behind that and also her feeling her boundaries being crossed when Lenny is bringing his new girlfriend into the home without her even being there when she was saying like this girl is there with all my stuff like her closet her personal belongings her you know 
like my worst nightmare is someone being able to just like be in my room, be in my bed, go through my nightstand and my makeup, like my stuff, and, and let alone her fucking kids. Yeah, I agree that that is the backdrop is totally different because it actually brings it home. No pun intended. Like instead of it just being like a land far, far away or something that we have to imagine, like here they are sitting on her couch and they're talking about, will they be able to keep this? Will they not? It, it's just so sad. No. Oh my God. To me, highlight craziest moment jaw drop of the episode is when Lenny texts Lisa to order groceries and and gives her a list including chunky peanut butter. Are you fucking kidding me, Lenny Hochstein? Oh my God. When he had the nerve to ask her for a banana, I thought I was going to lose my mind. By the way, like fucking use Instacart or have one of the other hundred people that work at your home do that job. How are you actively parading your girlfriend who you cheated on your wife with around Miami and then texting said wife your grocery list? I'm sorry. There's other ways to get groceries. It's unbelievable. Like with this undertone of like, so are you going to order groceries? Like, where's the food? You know, like even though I fucked you over, I'm making your life a living hell and embarrassing you out in public, I still expect there to be all the things I like in the house that we are kind of no longer sharing because I'm living with my girlfriend, but I want to make sure the things I like are there. Like, oh my God, I can't believe she didn't literally burst into flames in that moment. I would have I would have lost it. I think Lenny's going to have a moment and we probably will never see it and definitely not this season. But I think Lenny will have a moment sometime in the next few years where he looks back and comes out of the haze that he's in and is like, what did I do that for? Like I I truly feel not that he's acting in a way that's not him. Clearly this is him. Like when someone shows you their, their true colors, you believe them. And I fully believe that this is him. But I think that he would have at least for a few more years while the kids were so young would have wanted to maintain a level of stability. And he just blew that up. And I really think he will realize in a few years just how much of a driver sex was. A hundred percent. And he'll realize like this was really a midlife crisis and that no one will take care of him the way Lisa did. I mean, look, their relationship was very like traditional, like woman, man, husband, wife roles, like whether you agree with it or not. I think that was always what he wanted and was looking for. And he will never find someone who will fill the shoes like Lisa. Example, not being able to get his own banana and peanut butter or anything. Like just she knew him so well inside and out and took care of him and the kids and the home in a way that was up to his quote standard and was involved in his business in a way and was the face of their family in a way that made him proud. Like, oh, I hate him. I fucking hate him. Yeah, he's terrible. And by the way, what does he want? These chunky peanut butter and bananas and strawberries forks as part of his new diet plan that he has been working with, with the nutritionist and trainer to look a certain way for this new girlfriend. Meanwhile, Lisa thought it was for him. Like the whole thing is so twisted when you really get into it and it's just infuriating. And it's true. I mean, it goes to show you as much as it, follow me here because I know it's kind of a strange thought process, but as much as Lisa has been talking so much about how she feels totally just thrown in, it's like, this is what I've come to know is my life for the last 15 years and how am I supposed to function? You know, so there's so many things even on a daily basis that will be so new to her. It should be comforting that something like groceries is so new to Lenny in the sense of, yes, what she relied on him maybe was more tangible or 
one could draw the conclusion that she relied on him more than he relied on her, specifically financially. But there were things about the way that she ran a home and just things that he is completely unfamiliar with. And she provided that very important presence. And so he's also, you know, kind of thrown into the water, doesn't know how to swim. He did it to himself, of course, but she's not the only one that feels, I think, a little bit discombobulated at the moment. Well, I think in a twisted way, this will finally give him at least even just for the fruit aspect, like a little hint of respect and understanding for the things that she did, because I think a lot of his, you know, clearly hatred for her was built up of like, I work hard, I make all this money and you just whatever, like you live your life, you do this, you do that. Like, I think that was very much her, his view of her. And she always had to constantly be reminding him like, I take care of the kids. I do this. I, you know, I run the house. I run the show, whatever. This will now maybe hopefully give him a little bit of respect of like the things and the gaps in his life that Lisa was taking care of all these years that he never even gave second thought to. Well, right. Because he was so focused on this new life he was leading. And like I said, he was so and still is so motivated by sex. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the way not just men, it happens to anyone, but specifically men really like thinking with the wrong head as they say. And it's true. (laughs) This is like the definition of that. Yeah. I also want to say Julia and Martina's scene again was so beautiful. Like last week when we were talking about Julia jumping in the water in that dress, them having this dinner and this like moment where they're recreating their first date. It was so beautiful and like just warms my heart but then also now with this knowledge that martina is sick like i I couldn't handle it i i i'm so happy that they're in a good place and seem to be having like a strong bond which i think for a moment we were a little bit worried about i just i couldn't get enough of this i know i know and especially like i said to you last week about them jumping in the water they have this filmed you know in a normal setting if you aren't on a reality show you don't have this dinner that you created after 14 years film the entire thing and so i just think that is really special and continue to think about her and 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 both of them also with alexia and frankie and kind of our understanding that she desires him to have a little bit more independence and she's talking about this foundation you know, for the editors to then overlay that with the clip of Todd from last season where he got into the fight with Alexia and Peter about the way that they're taking care of Frankie. I do have to wonder, were there more behind the scenes conversations between Alexia and Todd where, you know, after kind of the dust had settled about that initial fight, she realized, you know what, he said it in the wrong way, but part of what he was saying was accurate. Like, I wonder how much of it was potentially influenced by Todd. I mean, I think he definitely had a big part of it. I feel like they're, I feel like they were kind of stuck in their pattern and ways and it took Todd coming in and sort of looking at it from an outside perspective of saying like, this is what you could be doing or should be doing or like this pattern that you guys have been, you know, holding on to for all these years maybe could be broken. I think it ended up hopefully being beneficial. I feel like Alexei has said that before that obviously that conversation was super hard and intense and probably not the best delivery, but there was a lot of truth in the things that Todd said. I mean, Alexia and Frankie's relationship, I think, is the most special thing in the world. Like, it just, they are so cute and loving and she will do anything for him. And sometimes, you know, you realize you do need support and you realize, like, you can give everything you can give as a mother, but there are experts and people out there who can 
perhaps do a better job in certain aspects than you can. And I think she had that realization and now wants to use every resource that she has all this access to to let him flourish. I know. And it's beautiful. And I think that he really will. And she's not going anywhere. You know, he still has that support system, but I think it would be really rewarding for him as well. I just, I like this show because of how real every aspect is. Even when Gertie and her husband are talking and I think that they're in a good place. I don't think that anything is happening there, but I, I did feel that those conversations were genuine. You know, I think it is hard for her to feel as though maybe she lacks the same natural connections with her boys that he does. And she knows the time that her work is taking up. Like those are conversations that would be happening in their house, regardless of whether they're on a reality show or not. The only difference is that we are getting to see it. And so I just appreciate the whole cast. I'm so into this franchise. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm fascinated by Gertie and her husband because to me, they're like the epitome of yin yang, like balancing each other out because he's super reserved and quiet and shy and she is like the polar opposite so I feel like they are a perfect balanced pair and I I yeah I it's so real it's all real and great and amazing and it's the best show in the entire world and it should be nominated for an Emmy (laughs) agree no notes is there anything (laughs) else that you would like to mention Oh my God, I think that's it. I can't imagine that there's possibly more. I just want to thank everyone who is a Jeff Lewis listener for DMing. I loved reading all of your commentary. And if or when there's anything interesting, I will bring it up to the people who I know are listeners or maybe on the show. But again, I I love recapping it to Emma and Julie. You have no idea. Like we're sitting at dinner and I'm like, you guys are never going to believe it. And I just tell them all the shit and they're like, oh. <gasps> I am so taken by it, though. I am fascinated. Like, you have really increased my Jeff Lewis meter. I will never be at your level, but I am dipping my toe. I mean, I listened to the Shannon part, and I loved it. No, I'm, I'm very proud of you. It's all because of you and you guys. <laughs> okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Julie and I will be back next week. 